Hey everyone, and welcome to the Generations United Church podcast. My name is Luke Williams, and I'm the pastor overseeing GenU's online ministries and young adults. Today, I want to welcome you to the first podcast of its kind here at GenU. You know, you can always tune in wherever you're listening to this podcast to listen to the recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. And if you're new to GenU, welcome. We're glad you're here. If you want to know more about our faith community, head on over to our website, genuchurch.com, and you can find out more info on our church, the different ministries, and upcoming events. But today, I want to bring you something completely unique for our church. Recently, we reached out to our community to find out what they wanted to hear and how they wanted to hear it. It was a way to determine the medium and message. So the medium being podcasting, which you're listening to now, and the message, which you all said you wanted to hear things like biblical teachings and interviews and Q&As. So today is the beginning of a new chapter in the ways we disciple here at Generations United. I had the pleasure of sitting down with our pastor of spiritual and community formation, Pastor Tommy Brown, and we discussed a specific passage that Tommy and I had been noodling around on for a while. So I decided let's just dig into this and see what we come up with. And it was a really great conversation. I hope you all enjoy it. The passage we're looking at is Matthew 27, verses 45 through 54. And we start with a question. Are there zombies in the Bible? Enjoy. Sitting here in Pastor Tommy's study. Hey, Luke. (laughs) Welcome I really, I, you know, I, for some people who have like watched some of our online stuff, like especially back in the post pandemic or during the pandemic, like right. they saw you doing stuff in here. Uh-huh. And so they got a little taste of your office. Your office actually is, is really cool. I do like it. Like, it's just it's like a fun space, dude. It's like so smartly set up. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I dig that. I like having my, these books are like friends to me, you know? Yeah. And, uh, they they mark seasons in life. I'm like, oh, that book over there, you know, that was 2018 when I was living in North Carolina or, you yeah. know what I mean? So uh, they're kind of like family photos in a sense. They, you know, they tell stories and um, mark moments in your life. But yeah, it's fun. I, I, I need lots of time alone, you yeah. know, and so this is a good space for me to be able to come and just read and, you know, study and write and think, pray and you know, do whatever. So and this glad you came just, out, dude. Yeah, dude. I appreciate you uh, letting us do this here. Yeah, I think that's how, how books are. They're like a com- conversation partners. And I know that this is like a, a fraction of the books that you've had because... Man, I've given away a lot out. of books. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want books, just come to my house. <laughs> I've, got, I've got books for you right now. Yes. But yeah, dude. So today we are going to... We're working with a question from the Bible. So when we were... You know, we did this whole survey across across Generations United at GenU and we just said what are the ways that you want us to interact podcasting was a huge was a huge one and then what how do you what do you want to hear from us because we don't want to just tell you something that like you're not interested in you know what mm-hmm. I mean like that could that's like that's the worst to me is you know just talking for talking's sake so the number one is like digging into the to the Bible yeah. and I think where is an interesting way to start is looking at weird looking at a weird question hmm. one that you you and I've actually talked about a little bit just kind of going back and forth in the class that you and are kind yeah. of co-teaching I, yeah. I sometimes somehow wound, wound up you showed up there. on a Wednesday night and I'm teaching this small group 
on N.T. Wright's book, Surprised by Hope, Rethinking Heaven, the Resurrection, and the Mission of the Church. And Luke's sitting there, and I'm like, bro, that was your first mistake. Like, if you walk <laughs> into the room with me, like, you're getting on a bar stool, and uh, we're going to have a conversation. I love the dialogue. Yeah. And I think yeah. that something special happens. And Jesus said special, something special happens. Like, when two disciples are gathered in his name and talking about the things of God, like he's he's somehow in the midst of all of that mm-hmm. and joins in that whether you know some would say okay that's actually about decision making in the early church because Jesus is like okay you boys are going to put your heads together and figure out what to do when I'm gone you know you're going to make up some rules yeah. and I'll be with you in that but I think that there's more than that I think that you know when we gather together and uh, around his word then that's something special happens and so i love the dialogue that's why i'm looking forward to this honestly yeah. man i mean just to have a conversation about scripture and the questions that we have yes. you know and even some of the things when you read it in scripture it's like what like that's i've read that a hundred times and that i just read that that's just bizarre and i think yeah. today is one of those things like so a rather bizarre small. angle it is, and I think that's one of the reasons why you know we encourage like an annual reading of the scripture because every single time you pour through scripture, the questions pop up. So here's here's the question that we're going to work with today: Are there zombies in the Bible? Yeah, are yeah. there zombies? It's it's a question that you know Walking Dead fans everywhere <laughs> are waiting on us to answer. So spoiler: I've never actually seen a zombies movie. You not, haven't. Not one. Okay. Ever. All right. Because I think if I saw one, I would pro- I think it would do something to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I probably would be like, dude, I might want to build a bunker in the backyard or something like <laughs> that. Full, not that, yes. you know, it's not a good idea to build yeah. bunkers right now anyhow with a crazy town where right. we're living. But yeah. No, at I I there was a period of time I because I was about to just say, Oh, I don't really care for zombie movies either. I've seen a lot more I've never watched The Walking Dead, but there was a period of time I felt like that like zombies were like a really big deal in pop culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's movies and TV shows and whatever. And so there uh, obviously are lots of references to dead people and dead people rising again. And so it's very specifically what we're talking about here is um, in Matthew 27, uh, Matthew verse 27, chapter 27 in the um, in verse... Somewhere oh in the Bible. Gosh. 53, 52 this, this and 53. That's why I make Google. That's yeah. right. I'm literally looking at it, and I'm like, what is... It's early. Yeah. 52 or 53. The tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints had fallen asleep, were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into this, the holy city and appeared to many. First of all, what do you do if you're one of the people that are in the holy city and you're seeing Uncle Tom that died 20 years ago? Man, dude. I don't know what I would do, honestly. Like, if I saw a dead man walking or a dead woman walking, I don't know if I would. I would probably stand there. Well, like the disciples when when Jesus came back, they're yeah. like, hey, "Is it? I don't know." I, I it would. I would probably <laughs> yeah. be a little cornfoozled, as they say. You know, <laughs> a little. <laughs> That's a good wouldn't word. You? I mean, I yeah. Maybe I would run yeah. up and you. What's the what's this guy's name? Uncle Tom. Okay, yeah, Uncle, Uncle Tom. Uncle yeah, Tom. That's a, that's what a great Jewish, Jewish name. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Thomas, I guess, but who knows. Um, yeah, it'd probably throw me off for a minute. It would. And I guess, too, like, how do you know? Like, how do you know that's a dead person? Right. I guess zombies, like, we're talking, I don't, obviously, I don't think this is, like, it's real zombies, like, how they're portrayed in the movies. These are walking I mean? dead people. They're dead people. Come back to life. Yeah. 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 So it's it's a, 
it's a weird verse, but I think this is a, and this is one of, of many, many verses that are kind of odd and weird. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, I think that they, again, they zoom in on it, becomes almost a stumbling, like what is, what is happening here? But I think what I think it's important for us is like zooming out a little bit yeah. and saying, okay, well, where does this fit into the story? Where does this fit into the text? And, and, I, and the story that we're in right now is like Easter, like yeah. Easter's just happened. And yeah. so... You know, here we are, and we're kind of we're coming out of our Easter season, and so we're kind of reflecting back a little bit. Okay, we're looking back on Good Friday in chapter twenty-seven. Okay, so in chapter twenty-seven, we have Matthew's recording the death of Jesus. Mm -hmm. What's what's happening here? And so let's just take we're just going to take it, and we're just going to kind of go piece by piece and see what stands out. So in the very beginning, in verse forty-five, he tells us like that from the sixth hour until. The ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. Essentially, noon to, to three o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And the Gospel of Mark is actually the one that gives us the most like def- definitive time that Jesus was on the cross. It, he basically says from nine in the morning until three in the afternoon. They all okay. kind of are consistent when it comes to that, is that that's the time that Jesus hung on the cross. What's interesting when I was looking up some stuff about this was that was actually a really short time for people to be on on a cross mm-hmm. is usually it took some people days even a full week yeah and the romans were really good at killing people yeah so very good people would say you know the jews killed jesus you know fake news they were right. complicit in it yeah. you know but the romans actually carried out the execution of jesus and this wasn't the first guy that they crucified no like it was a little bit not, not a show that's too much to say a show but i mean people would come out to see these things mm-hmm. they would have them on like the side of the road yeah. Like you're, I mean, imagine driving down Highway 20 and like there's some guy hanging on a cross on the yeah. side of it. Like this was part of their normal experience yeah. to see. And well, here's another uh, Jewish zealot that was rebelling against the Romans, thus always to rebels, so to say. A couple people had mentioned that the reason Jesus's death was maybe shorter than what was the average was because of what he experienced going up to the cross, the the, the, the beatings, beatings yeah. and everything. And so yeah. it was already, his body had already taken on so much okay. of the physical mm-hmm. the physical toll there. And so that kind of sets the stage for us a little bit. Like for this portion of, remember, we're looking at this portion of scripture, mm-hmm. is Jesus's death. He's at that moment of dying. And then Jesus has this very popular thing that we, we talk about a lot here, you know, and it's interesting how Matthew records it. He, you know, Jesus cries out with a loud voice on that ninth hour, Eli, Eli, lemma sabectini, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What a dark, that's a dark moment. I would imagine that feeling for Jesus of being abandoned by, you know, we're very, very much the, the relationship between God, the father and Jesus, the son, it's this very paternal, we use a lot of paternal terms. And I think that's where my mind kind of goes in that moment of feeling abandoned by, by, a, by a parent. Yeah, there's, there's deep intimacy between Jesus and his father. And I think even in this, you know, there, there is abandonment, but there's also, there's abandonment based or a a sense of, a sense of not despair, but a sense of like separation, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's also based in hope 
because for you know any rabbi, any Jew in Jesus's world, when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me is the next line from the words of my groanings. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you don't answer. Like he, he gave the opening line to Psalm 22, right? Yeah. So if I were to say, what's the line of like a popular song, like any line of any song? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. I'm having the same why experience. Would I, why would I, oh. Watch this. Watch this. Here's a popular song for you. Ready? Okay. I'm going to give you the first line. You ready? Okay. Happy Happy birthday to you. Yeah. Oh, oh, what a great tune, right? Yeah. So you can finish the whole song. Yeah. These, as you know, are these are Hebrew prayers set to right. music. So when Jesus starts the first line, it is to pray the entire psalm, mm. right? So it's not just, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It goes on down, yet you are holy and thrown on the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. And you, they trusted and were not put to shame. So mm. it's not only a cry of like abandonment and separation. It's also a cry of hope that, yeah. that those two emotions can be held in the same breath, right? So yeah. he, there is separation, but he also trusts, never abandons trust. Yeah. I think there's, and there's so many connections too with Psalm 22 to this kind of, this kind of moment. And I want to hang I want to hang on there for a Psalm because I think there's some really important some cool takeaways from that. Cause I agree. Cause you're right. Like there were some people that were like, well, did he, was he quoting the entire Psalm? And it's like, I highly doubt he was quoting the entire Psalm. He's probably using a part of the Psalm as a way of pray of prayer, mm-hmm. of communicating with God. He was yeah. getting a start. Exactly. Yeah. To your point, it was the kind of that first line. Yeah. And everyone that was around there that knew that Psalm, especially any of the Jews that were raised in that culture and right. that religion, they would a hundred percent know. Yeah. What he was, what he was that's trying right. to say there, and that's not a that's not a Christian understanding. Like no. you, you talk to to any serious rabbi today, and they'll tell you, yeah, you you get the thing going, and it means the whole thing. Mm. So it's all in there. Yeah. yeah, but it's and it is interesting too that that there's that side of of lamenting, mm-hmm. like the practice of lamenting that mm-hmm. Christ was a hundred percent yes buying in on and doing yes. Yeah, think it's one of those things we don't really do a whole lot of now of being that truthful like what is in the depths of my heart in a in in this moment yeah we skip or we we surf the interwebs right yeah and avoid the pain because it's easier to avoid than to grieve it's easier to leap over the pain than to lament it yes and and we need we need a good a good understanding of what it means to actually be able to grieve and welcome that into our spirituality in Christ and yeah and to lament some things. Like yeah. This world right now needs a needs a good cry. Yes. Like our whole world just needs a good we've been through two, three years and now there's a crazy man with tanks on the other side of the world. You know, mm. we need a good cry right now. We need to rend our garments and say, my God, my God. Yeah. Yet our fathers trusted in you. Yeah. yeah. It's so true, man. And I think like there is that it's not, and this isn't a bash on, on, on modern worship music. I don't, I don't mean it like that. I think it's really kind of a, a really a, a tell of what it's like to be a Christian now in, mm-hmm. in modern, in modern times. And that the way we worship, it really is an avoidance of the pain. It's like, well, if I just sing these positive affirmations, mm-hmm. then maybe I'll be able to, to to go through it. Not that what we're singing is untruthful, but it's there is a part where we're skip we're kind of skipping over. You yeah, know you, what I mean? You need the full the the Psalms are full of, you know, and we're getting back to zombies, we promise. Well, 100%, the yes. Psalms are, you know, you have it was called imprecatory psalms. 
you know, to wear $3 word. It is a $3 word. Yeah. Like I always think it has something to do with babies, but it turns out it has something to do (laughs) with just being angry. Yeah. God, could you uh, crush my enemy? You know what I mean? Like like I, the other day I had to pray that. Like I, I I, I was like, God, I really want you to crush my enemy right now. (laughs) Destroy them. I I prayed it. So number one, God doesn't have to listen to me, Yeah. but it's better to pray it out than to act it out. Right. Yeah, That's true. And then there's, you know, other songs of lament and there's Psalms of celebration and, you know, we need a full diet of the whole thing, you know, and absolutely, um, man. Yeah. That's why we have the Psalms, man. Absolutely. And so just before we move on, I just want to point out, you know, in, cha- in verse 16, so in Psalm 22, just kind of the, again, the correlation of where Jesus yeah. is and all this. It says, For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They mm. stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. So it's a very vivid yeah. picture. Yes. David felt this and Jesus was experiencing mm. this, man. So moving on past this. So Matthew goes from that into verse 50, chapter 27, verse 50. And he says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. This is a, this is a moment that is shared amongst the synoptic gospels. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they kind of all detail it the same way and how Mark says it in 1537. It says, and Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last Luke 23, 46, then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. It's always like it's some, he's giving something up and he's breathing his last breath. But mm. then John does something different. And I think it kind of helps. It, I think it's important for this discussion here. John uh, chapter 19, verse 30 says, And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he says, he said, it is finished. Mm. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Again, giving up his spirit, but he says something different. He says, it is finished, which is this word, the Greek word. Obviously, Jesus wouldn't have spoken Greek. This was written in Greek, but the Greek word is very close to the Aramaic word that he would have said, which is tetelestai, which means victory. Mm. It's a, it's this, it's this moment of like, I'm, I'm, I'm done, but it's a declaration of, it's like a victorious Mm -hmm. uh, way. William Barclay's commentary on, on the, on the book of Matthew he says, Tetelestai, I'm going to say it right here in a second, is the victor's shout. It is the cry of the man who has completed his task. It is the cry of the man who has won through the struggle. It is the cry of the man who has come out of the dark into the glory of the light and who has grasped the crown. So then Jesus died a victor with a shout of triumph on his lips. Hmm. Which, I, dude, I can get up. I'm fully that that makes me yeah. uh, the Pentecostal inside of me just wants to get up and start running around this room right now. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, that's a big that's a big deal. Yeah. What is so interesting about this is when Jesus declares victory. Mm. This is not the resurrection. Mm-hmm. This is at his death. Mm-hmm. And we always declare victory for us. Looking back on Jesus's life, we find victory in his death and mm-hmm. resurrection. Right. Jesus is declaring victory yeah. at his death. Well, Jesus couldn't do anything about his resurrection. <laughs> That's a good point. Like he's yes. he's yes. I mean, as as he grows and and gains clearer understanding of uh, of who he is, you know, yeah. whether from his baptism and then his character is revealed in his testings in the wilderness and subsequent testings, and he continually rejects the path of Satan. 
He rejects the path of, of culture and often well-meaning but wayward religious leaders. And he goes all the way. He drinks the cup, so to say. He goes all the way to the cross. And now his part's done. Mm. But in the middle of all of that, there is still this relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit to where Jesus dies on Good Friday and the tradition teaches us that on Holy Saturday, spirit goes into the grave mm. and cradles the Christ so that love is not left alone. Like love will not let love die alone. And then on Sunday, the power of the spirit raises Jesus from the dead. So Jesus wow. didn't raise himself from the dead. Yeah. So he can say it's finished. Yeah. He's like, all right, uh, I ran the play, spiked the football. <laughs> Somebody else is going to have to uh, to run the next play, yeah. you know, and the Spirit does that. And then Jesus Jesus comes back, but not on his own. It isn't like he climbed up out on a ladder. Yeah. It's like the Holy Spirit brought him, brought him through death yeah. and out the other side of it. Yeah. There is... Man, that's really good. We should do a sermon on that. Oh, well... <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's do no, that. that's really. Let's do that I right feel like now. that's so. Yes, I feel like that's really. Right, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna take notes. I'm gonna take a note. Uh, I'm gonna write that down. I'm gonna steal that, and I'm not gonna give you any credit. Fair enough. You know, creativity is just taking other people's material and not <laughs> giving them it. credit. Exactly. All right. So, so it's finished. It's finished. He's he's done. It's done. And then how Matthew tells the story, he says something here that is supposed to get our attention. He says, "Behold." Look at this. Yeah. Check this out. Keep your eyes peeled, boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coming in hot. Coming in hot. You thought that was done? No. no Watch no. this. Watch this. This is about to get even crazier. So the first thing that happens is the veil is split. So he says, behold, the curtain of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. That's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. And it's cra- it's interesting how he tells it. Because if we're in there, because apparently this veil is really, really tall. And, if you and are, pretty thick. And very thick. Yeah. So if we're going to be the one, if we're going to go in there and we're going to take a, a box cutter or a pair of scissors. Right. To, to, we would, we'd be at the bottom there. Yeah. And we'd try to cut it and then rip yeah. it, you know. Yeah. But it was split from the top to the bottom. Yeah. Which a little bit of an, kind of an inside of like, this is, this is a divine action. This is mm-hmm. not something that. That mm-hmm. man, it wasn't some crazy person like, oh, mm-hmm. Jesus died. Let, let me go get my machete and go in here right. and, and rip this up. Yeah. It wasn't that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the work of a maniac. It was the work of, of God yep. in that moment. For sure. So while Matthew doesn't indicate this, we take it to me because there's actually, there's several veils that are actually in the tabernacle and in the, you know, in the temple where the, where the Jews would, would worship. But what, the, what it said, what we assume here, what he's talking about is this veil that divides up the Holy of Holies within mm-hmm. this space. So the Holy of Holies, and you probably know even more about this than what I do. I don't know. You're shaking your head at me. I don't know. know. Okay. I don't know how much you know about all, it. This is all I know is that the Holy of Holies, <laughs> it is, it was only accessed one time a year during yeah. the Day of Atonement or, yeah. or Yom Kippur, uh-huh. and it was accessed by the high priest, yep. and he would go and atone for the nation of Israel. Yeah, he would atone for his own sins and the sins of his family, and then he would atone for the nation. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but there's there's also in Hebrews this idea in chapter 9, it says, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by the means of blood of bulls and calves, but by the meaning of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption for the blood and bull of bulls and goats and the sprinkling of sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So Jesus goes, wow. goes through in, in the heavenly realm. Like he, yeah. he, he's gone all there there is no more division, like inner or outer court, inner court. The idea is that when this temple is is this veil is torn into that everything impeding direct access to God has has been eliminated. So the uh, Aaron and the priesthood and the sacrifices and and all of that that covenant has been fulfilled. And now there's a new covenant. Jesus is the mediator of this. So this whole curtain idea. It's like as long as the outer was still standing, which meant that you had to have an inner, which meant you had a dividing curtain. As long as the outer is still standing, then we're still separating separated but now god himself has torn the veil from top to bottom and say all right come on in come on in and jesus jesus did that you know the tearing of his own flesh yeah um he's he's rent the veil into i've never thought of that so that the tearing of his own flesh there's almost that correlation with what he did the tearing of his own flesh and the tearing of the veil and this access that we have yeah to the Father. So Jesus says, all right, boys, in three days, you know, I'll rebuild this, this temple, you know, and they, tear, it'll be torn down however he says it, and I'll, yeah. I'll build it up. And they thought he was talking about a building. He's talking about his own body. So there's like, he, he is like, I am everything that the temple was pointing to. I am like, this is me. <laughs> yeah. Hi, nice to meet you. Temple here. you right. Yeah. The, the whole project was always moving forward yeah. toward a a relationship with God that the temple and all of its sacrifices were only like foreshadows and types and all right. Yeah. And Jesus embodied the relationship with God that, that we're always to have. And that, like you were saying, you know, on it's, it's finished. Jesus is like, yeah, uh, the project's back on track. Yeah. Here we are. It's done. So Jesus declares victory. Yeah. And how Matthew records that the first thing that happens is access to the father. Yeah. First thing we gain out of Jesus's victory is access to the Father, mm-hmm. which is a, and to the point because Hebrews is written to mm-hmm. a Jew, right? As a Jewish, Jewish Christians, yeah. Jewish Christians, so they right. definitely understood this this imagery. They sure. would have definitely bought into it. Yeah, and Jews at that time that would you know especially for Matthew, because right. Matthew is definitely writing his gospel from like a Jewish audience. He makes a lot of references. Uh-huh. And so it would almost, it, to make that kind of declaration that this thing has been ripped and we have access, we don't need a priest to go that's on right. that. Is, yeah. That's like pushing back hard it is. on his own culture and his own own religion. It is. It, and there is there is this idea when you have a change in priesthood, uh, you have a change in the law. Oh. Uh, and so Jesus comes in and he's not a priest in the order of like, the Levitical priesthood, right? He's a priest in the order of Melchizedek. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, because he, he was like from Judah, the tribe of Judah. Right. But he's coming in and he's like, there's a new priest, there's a new high priest. The law has been fulfilled. This whole thing is, has been fulfilled and taken to a high level. And your conscience that every year, you know, you had to go, the high priest goes in to atone for 
the one thing that that couldn't deal with was like a conscience, like mm-hmm. a guilty conscience. Yeah. Because the it's like you you only feel good for about 10 minutes until you have the next sin and is the next <laughs> sacrifice or the next day of atonement and so on. Right. The conscience couldn't be clean, but Jesus's blood, it cleanses our conscience. It said it speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, which Abel's oh. blood, he it cried out guilty when Cain killed him. Guilty, guilty from the earth. You know, my brother killed me. Guilty, guilty. But Jesus's blood speaks a better word. Jesus's blood says things like, hey, guys, it's finished. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Father's house is open. Hey, yeah. come on in. Come in. Yeah. There's no separation. No separation. Oh, uh-uh. man. I think that's, man. Yeah. Ooh. It's good stuff. The Bible is crazy cool when you yes. when you really get into these stories. It's just that layer. Well, who is it? Was it? I, I don't want to say who it is. I'm going to be wrong. But what is like you? you the Bible is like a diamond. You hold it up to the, the light and you turn it. It's a different yeah. color every time you turn it. Yeah, I think I, I know it's a rabbinic thing. I think it was Rabbi Heschel that maybe popularized it. Maybe okay. somebody else. But yeah, you just hold it up and you keep turning it and it keeps reflecting or refracting light in new yeah. ways. And But what you're doing here, man, is just inviting us into the story. And that, yeah. Yeah. That's it. That idea of it's finished. Wow. Victory. Victory. Yeah, so that's Easter. Well, actually, that's, that's Good Friday. That's Good yeah. Friday. Yeah. That's Good Friday. So just recap, Jesus declares victory. We have access to the Father. Right. Now you're probably if you're following along in the podcast, you're you're probably wondering, well, where where are the zombies? Where are the zombies? I'm this is what I'm wondering. I'm wondering when we're getting to zombies. Right now. Right now. Right now. I've been waiting for this moment my whole <laughs> <Your> morning. Entire <laughs> the entire morning. <laughs> I've had two cups of decaf coffee. I'm appropriately <laughs> caffeinated. So in verse 51, so the first sentence is about the veil being torn. And then the second sentence, it says, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. So let's talk about that for just a second. So there's an earthquake and the rocks are split open. This is not the first time Matthew's going to talk about an earthquake. There's a second earthquake Uh in just a few verses in chapter 28. Okay. Chapter 28, verse 2 says, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. That was Jesus's. This is Jesus's resurrection. So the so in verse twenty seven where we're talking about, there's uh-huh. a, Jesus dies, the veil's torn, and then there's an earthquake and there's darkness over there's the dark, whole darkness land. over over the whole over the whole land. You think it was the whole point. world? You think the whole world was dark? I don't. May, I don't Do you know. think like Native Americans, you know, were oh. in the middle of what's Arkansas and they were like, there's a darkness. Uh, this is a problem, boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Somebody this get is... message back to the chief. <laughs> yeah. There's something wrong something in going this on. world. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I don't, I think that's a good question. I also wonder too, like, you know, did they, how often do they have earthquakes over there? I don't know much about. I don't either. I don't think they're like on a. I don't know if they're like on some fault line, or yeah. you know what I mean. If that was like a normal thing, I, d- right. I doubt it was. But it's interesting that like there's this earthquake, okay, and then there's another earthquake, which could indicate this is when God acts in such a way, in yeah. a resurrecting Dude. way. Yeah. There is a shifting. Yeah. Of the earth. There's yeah. a movement. Like there's something that happens. Yeah. Your entire world shakes. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is the power. That's it. And so, uh, and so that so going into verse fifty two says the tombs were opened. So earthquake happens, rocks split open, tombs are opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. 
Okay. So are so these pause boys? There. Okay. Are they like taking? They've just been hanging out in tombs, taking naps. Like uh, these people who have fallen asleep. <laughs> they're like middle of the day. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Putting a roof on. They're like, hey man, there's a good cave over here. You want? <laughs> like, is that what's yeah, happening? Are these just? Are they just wandering? Yeah, just nomad, a nomadic tribe that just fell asleep. Yeah. That are you know? Oh my god! Somebody feel? Oh that? my gosh! And they're back. Yeah. 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 We're back. I. I it's probably it's not. Probably, yeah, I think the answer long and short. It's probably not. But so you know this. You know a little bit. Maybe you know. Probably know a lot more about this than what I do. Is, I don't know. Is like the like the view of the Jewish people. Yeah. And Resurrection Day. Yeah. So what they believed was going come kind of going to happen in right. the, in the last what we would call like the last day, yep. so to speak. But they right. they would call it the Day of Judgment. Uh huh. And on the day of judgment, there would be a re- there was a resurrection. Uh-huh. Yeah, which it was from what I've read, and maybe you can tell me differently here. Is that it, that was a pretty new thing as far as in the history of Judaism? Like you don't really get an idea of. There's not really much of a talk of an afterlife or what happens until you kind of get into the prophets, right? Like they're the ones that kind of. I think that the the Bible does not tell us a a ton of details. Right? Yeah, there is an idea of of resurrection of the dead. I mean, and even in Jesus's world, they were kind of split over it. Yeah. Um, you know, the Pharisees said, yes, there's a resurrection. And the Sadducees are like, no, there is not a resurrection, you know. And so, but the the idea is definitely, you know, in the water. But you don't get a ton. I mean, just as you're reading the Bible, you just go through Genesis and Exodus and, you know, you start scrolling through. You What you get is the sense that when people die, they go into the grave mm-hmm. or they, they go to rest with their fathers. There's right. this idea of, of being held or like cradled or resting in Abraham's bosom. I mean, what's, you know, you think that that language just says, okay, you're, you're safe here. You're being held. Like, you know, your great, great grandpa is being held in Abraham's bosom. So, I mean yeah. that that's the idea here is yeah. that there are people who have fallen asleep. They're not gone forever. Right. They're not walking around. It's like they're resting in a sense. They they're at peace. Don't worry about them. Everything's fine. Yeah. They're taken care of, you know, and and here we are. And yeah. so No, I I, th- I think that's good. Yeah. And it goes into what I view as a very frustrating verse in verse 54. It says, I'm sorry, verse 53 says, And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. So the, 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 the tombs are broken open. Mm-hmm. These saints come out. Well, wait a minute. It says the tombs were broken open. Read it real slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah go, because go that's like a, that. Yeah, I know what you're getting at here. The tombs also were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And this is on Good Friday, yes? Good Friday. Yes. But then, verse 53, remember, we're still in chapter 27. We're Uh not in chapter 28 yet. It says, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, Uh they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Let me just start off by saying, I've read a lot of commentaries on this. Yeah. And no one is really a hundred percent sure <laughs> what any of it means. Yeah, I've looked across the the whole theological yeah. spectrum, and everyone's like, "Yeah, Matthew is a weirdo." We're not a hundred percent sure. It's but only Matthew. It's only Matthew that it, says this. It's not Mark. It's not no. Luke. It's not John. No. It's nowhere else in the entire Bible. No, you have Matthew, and yeah. Matthew is writing decades after. Yeah, this happened. Yes. 
So it wasn't like he was delirious in the moment, like right. you know, tr- trauma and shock. And he's like, yeah. yeah, I might've seen some dead guys walking around. <laughs> like this is decades later yeah. and they have had time to, to cultivate and develop and refine this story. Oh yeah. And they say, uh, when Jesus was crucified, there was darkness, there was an earthquake, tombs were opened, bodies were raised and yet we're not sure what they did according to Matthew like on Saturday because they didn't come out <laughs> until Sunday was it that they didn't want to like preempt Jesus yeah you know yeah. that they're raised from the dead but somehow the lord is like uh you guys just hang tight for just hold, a second hold on hold on hold on hold on, hold on. it's like the offensive line you know yeah, ready to snap the ball and run but they're like false start on the offense get back you know yeah, yeah. Like, stop that yeah. and so they're Maybe they're in the tomb. I don't, yeah. Who knows what they're doing? We don't know. We don't know what they're doing. We Is don't that okay know. that we don't know? Like, yes. Because I, I know lots of people that if they can't get an answer for absolutely everything, mm. if they can't figure it out, like, mm. they, they'll have to have an explanation for this. Yeah, right, like, right. Or, or, you know, it's like a threat to their faith. And Matthew, frankly, doesn't seem all that concerned about it. He's like, he's not. Yep. Something Jesus was crucified, the bodies were raised, the tombs were open, and then when Jesus came out, they all came out. Yes. And he doesn't tell us. He says that they went to the holy city and people saw him saw right. them. Right. And then nothing. What are they doing? That's what are it. they talking about? Yeah. Who are, are they going to go eat? Are yeah. they hitting up a food truck? Yeah. And then going to see their like ancestors, their their relatives, and then are they setting up shop? Do they have a new life now? Or did they also ascend up to heaven, like what Jesus would eventually do. Yeah, you know what the Bible says? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Uh-uh. Not, Not a thing. Anything. They came back to life. Mm-hmm. We would think that they, but well, we, we would think maybe they had like a resurrected body like Jesus had. Mm-hmm. But like Lazarus was raised to life by Jesus. Yes. So this isn't the first time the dead guy came back to life. It's not. Right? No, so this isn't the first time. Lazarus was raised to life. These people, and he died again. Right. Right. So... Yeah. But these people, we don't know what happened to them. Mm. And these are, we think, so far as we can tell, these are like righteous saints, right? righteous Jewish saints, right? So f- the first half of your book, your Bible, these are people who have died. Yeah. And they're now walking around the city on a Sunday. <laughs> it's Sunday. Yeah. At the Cracker it's, Barrel. Yeah, because it says after his resurrection. And there's Jethro. So. <laughs> there's, <laughs> <Like, laughs> there he is. There's Jethro ordering some biscuits and gravy. Yeah. And what is he doing? He's what been he dead doing? for a century. What's so, happening here? So N.T. Wright, we you know we talked about one of his things earlier. Some people are like, well, this is just kind of a teaching story. It's what they would call midrash, or you know, this really happened. And here's what N.T. Wright says, and he's one of the, if not the leading New Testament scholar. He says some stories are so odd that they must have happened. <laughs> it's like this yeah. story is so bizarre that yeah. if it didn't happen. It makes no sense to make this story up because right. it doesn't really do anything to the Jesus plotline. You take no, this story out. Nothing. Like, it, take it out if you don't mind. Sure. Like, read the verse before it and then skip over the the tomb walking dead. Sure. Give, give us that narrative. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Skip. And then when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe. And said, truly, this was the Son of God. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's so, it. So there's no reason for Matthew to make some garbage up here. No. Right? It, it, it's so odd that, it, that 
something must have happened. Yes. And but we have no way of finding out. Like no. some would say there's there's a, a man named Jonathan Dodson. He's talking about so what do they do, right? So they yeah. appear to many, the saints appear to many. And he says that the word for appear can also mean to explain. So oh. this is like and here's where it gets really cool. It's like, why did this happen? And why yeah. did Matthew tell this story? He said, this preview of the end time people of God goes into the city, not to show off, but to explain that Jesus has defeated sin, death, and evil through his own resurrection and is making all things new. And that you too can get in on the mid-history stroke of grace. Wow. It's available to all. Secular and religious alike, anybody can get in on it. The risen are proof that Jesus brings not just a new verdict, but a whole new day. Yeah. They are walking gospel explanations. It's like the thing that everybody believed would happen. Well, believers believed would happen. Yeah. At the end of times happened in the middle of time. Yeah. And these people have come back to life. It's not the resurrection of the dead at the end of time. It's like a way of saying Jesus is who he said he was. Jesus died the cross. On the cross, he went into the grave. Yes. He, what, what was he doing while he's down there? Well, for sure, there is some witness of him to those who were in the grave yep. because they come back out now. They're living proof that Jesus is who he said he was. So Matthew has said, Jesus has declared victory. And yes. behold, yes. we have access to the Father. Yes. And here is a taste of what is. is to come right. in the future. That's right. But we're not done yet. We're not done yet. We're not done. And if you thought that we were going to answer the question, are there zombies of the Bible, and we talk about it and we're done, we're not. Because remember, we're looking at a whole passage and what it is trying to tell us. So we just read this, but I'm going to read it again for us. In verse 54, so the people, they're up and about, and they're walking around Jerusalem. And then it says, so Jesus has died, and it says, when the centurion... And those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place. They were filled with awe and said, truly, this is the Son of God. Yeah. Jesus has declared victory. Yeah. We have access to the Father. Yes. We have a taste of things to come. We have a taste of what it means to be here now. Yeah. To, be, to witness the realities and the love of Christ now. Mm -hmm. It's not just this future-oriented thing, which mm -hmm. I think is such an important telling of the way he told this. He didn't. He didn't. He doesn't end this portion of scripture with, "Look at what's going to happen one day." No, it's also look at what the the gospel message does to people now, mm -hmm. because mm. we're so. Mm. God, I mean, you and I have talked about this. We can be so focused on the future. Yeah. And a lot of our evangelistic efforts yeah. have been in. Yeah, pray this prayer so you can go to heaven. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, no, mm -mm. that's not the end of it. Jesus's victory is not just for getting to heaven. It's not punching. It's not your yeah. you know punch card. It's not the right. ticket. It's no, not no, your fire right. quote unquote fire insurance. What right. people say it is the access and the experience yes. now yes. here and now. Yes. The veil has been torn in two. Yes. Relationship with the Father has been restored, just like it was in the Garden of Eden. As it was in the beginning, it'll ultimately be that way in the end, yeah. but a little bit of the end has broken into the now. As Jesus and John the Baptist and others would say, the kingdom of heaven is among you. <laughs> and the kingdom of heaven is what happens when God gets God's way. Yeah. It's like it was in the beginning. 
And as it shall be in the end, it has broken into time so that now it's both now and not yet. It's not as it will be. It's not as it was. Right. The revolution has begun. Right. The project is back on track. There is a second Adam and he is the firstborn from among the dead. So that what God did for Jesus, God will do for other people. And it's proof that God did it for Jesus and that God will do it for other people because look what we have. We have walking dead people who've been brought back to life. And if God will do it for them, God will do it for all of your deceased loved ones. And when you die, Mm. God will do it for you. And resurrection, bodies walking around one day on the earth, a new heaven and a new earth, where the whole project, heaven and earth are one, the whole project is set to rights at the end of days. Yeah. This this is like a little bit of a taste of that. And we get in on that now. Like eternal life is not something you get when you die. It's something you get by the power of the Spirit so that you can live. Yeah, It's a divine quality of life. Eternal right. life does not mean life after death. It means that death has been defeated. You don't have to be afraid of it anymore. And so the life you live now, you live by the power of God's Spirit. <sighs> yeah, this is, this is our hope. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, zombies... <laughs> Zombies, these walking dead people, they're not really zombies, but they no. they are. Jurgen Moltmann, check this out. He says, the raising of the dead is one of the signs and wonders of Jesus's messianic mission. For when the living God comes, death is forced to retreat. That's Isaiah 25, 8. But when Jesus raises the dead, he raises them into this life, which leads to death. And in and his you know his theory is they you know they would they would die I guess but and in so far this is merely an advanced sign and heralding of the eternal life to come which will drive death out of creation. Wow, yeah. Jesus is in the book of Hebrews says the last enemy to be defeated was death. Yeah. So if you don't have to be afraid of death, death is a veil that you walk through. It's like yes, yeah. I'm gonna close my eyes on this side of eternity. Eternity. I'm gonna wake up on the other, and then one day, bodies. Yeah, yeah. We're going to experience this the new the new creation, the yeah. new heaven, the new earth. Yeah. And yeah. in the meantime, in the meantime, there is hope for now. There's hope. Yeah. There's an experience on this side of things. Yeah. It's that abundant life that Jesus said I came to to bring to us. Yeah. Here and now, and yeah. I think that the this what the centurion witnessed it's it's the thing that called all of us to Jesus. Whether you're raised in church, whether you get, you know, you, you you become a Christian later on in life, doesn't really matter. It's the thing that keeps us here now. It's that witness of Jesus, the thing that we saw, the thing that we experienced. Mm-hmm. And now, too, it is the thing that we get to embody mm-hmm. so as to be another's form of invitation into the life with Christ to others. That That is, to me, yeah. the evangelistic message yes. Yes. of Yes, there's hope in the future. That's right. There's hope now. That's right. Yeah, that's good news now. Yeah. So much of our evangelism is good news about what happens when you die. Yes. And Jesus' gospel was good news about what happens on Tuesday. Yes. Yeah, the kingdom is of God has come. Yeah. It will continue to come. And uh, by the way, so by the way, it's happening right in front of you and it's inside of you. And Jesus, it's just a thought on this, something that... I don't know where, why, where this thought came from. For Jesus, all of his miracles were like normal. That, like it's, it's just a resetting to normal. We yeah. think of the healing of the sick as miraculous. Jesus yeah. is like, no, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. We think blinded eyes being opened is miraculous. Jesus is like, 
nope, this is normal. I am just a fully alive human being right. who is so in tune with God and invested with God's spirit that I can actually perform these acts. And by the way, you can too. Yeah. When you're in tune with God and filled with his spirit, you can do that too. Even the raising of the dead is just a resetting to normal. Death was never part mm. of the design. Right. This is a resetting to God's original intent and, and design. It's, and it's exceedingly good news. Yeah. Yeah. Man. What is this doing to you? I'm curious. Like we're, you know, we're really sitting here and I, I know you're excited about it. I'm curious what this whole zombie uh, theme has, what's mm. it been doing in your heart? I think, you know, it kind of one of the things I said from the top, I think that, I think that there's something about when you kind of, when you kind of zoom out of scripture for a little bit mm. and you just take some time and you kind of slowly look at it. Mm-hmm. And try to see what is being happened. What is happening? What's happening? Yeah. I think there's such, there's something, and I think this is where people get, I think they get hung up in where they don't think about the fact that the Bible and these, yeah, they're all written a different, the, the books of the Bible are written at different mm-hmm. times by different people. They were written really intentionally. Mm-hmm. There's something very specific mm-hmm. that they're trying to tell here. I think Matthew told this story in such a way to raise our attention to some things. Mm. And I think for my own, you know, engagement with scripture, I think that it's a, it was been a good reminder. I feel like it's probably something we can all be like, have you heard this? Have you heard someone say something like that before? Probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's such a good reminder of like how we frame the life of Christ. Cause I'm putting myself in Matthew's situation here. What, how would I describe this crazy story that I Mm. heard? Yeah. In such a way to tell it to people so that they could hear the good right. news in it. Yeah. How how is it good news yeah. to them? Yeah. And I and when I'm putting myself in that kind of position where Matthew's trying to tell it, if I'm thinking about how how do I now profess the gospel mm-hmm. to people? Mm-hmm. How do I in my own life, not only a representative, but how how do I tell mm-hmm. how do I tell this to people? We have a cheat code, right? We can look at four people that wrote four books about Jesus right. and that kind of, you know, right. but he's in it. He's, but he's in it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so for me, what does it mean for me yeah. as Luke Williams and, you know, currently in Freeport, Florida, Niceville, Florida, whatever. Yeah. What does it mean for me to live out and, and mm-hmm. explain the gospel mm-hmm. and the good news yeah. of Jesus? Even death has been defeated. Death has been defeated. Yeah, death itself has been set on the clock. Yeah. The clock, you, you might look at Tom Long in a sermon one time, I heard him say, you know, it's like, it, it's like you look at the end of your life and you see yourself at the end of your life. Like a, there's a line between where you are now and the end of your life. And you're standing, however old you are, let's say you're 102, 102. All right. Well, that's a day that's coming, right? Yeah. And death is like a clock hanging over your head. And Tom Long says that the resurrection basically gets on the other side of that clock and has its own clock and says, uh, death, you're actually on the clock. Mm. Yeah. Death, your days are numbered. Yeah. Yeah. There's death. There's a day where you're going to have your butt kicked out of creation. Yeah. And Jesus came to say, it's coming. The day's coming. The day's coming. Where you're going to be defeated ultimately. And my life, my resurrected life is to set your rear end on notice (laughs) and say, you're getting evicted. That's right. The creation project as it was in the beginning, yeah. Will be restored in the end, yeah. and here's a taste. 
Man, I was I was reading the other day. My favorite page of uh, the Brothers Karamazov uh, is page seven hundred and seventy six. You know why? Why? Is this the last page? <laughs> <laughs> there, there That's were, a big book to get through. It's a tough uh, one to get through. Yeah, especially for a dude who doesn't read fiction usually, right? <laughs> but listen to the this. I was thinking about this the other day. This last page. So there there was a little boy that had died, right? Yeah. And Alyosha Karamazov is one of the the main characters, and um, somebody. Uh, so Alyosha said, and memory eternal for the dead boy, Alyosha added again with feeling, and the boys joined in. Memory eternal, Karamazov, cried Kolya. Can it really be true, as religion says, that we shall all rise from the dead and come to life and see one another again, and everyone in Ilyashenka? And Alyosha says, certainly we shall rise. Certainly we shall see and gladly, joyfully tell one another all that has been. He replied, half laughing, half in ecstasy. Ah, how good that will be. Burst from Kolya. Man. How good that will be. That's how good that will be. <laughs> Dang, man. Joke's on death. I don't, think there's, I don't think there's a better way to cap this discussion off. Yeah. There's... The jokes on you, death. Yeah, the end is the end is coming for you. What that what you what you do to our mortal bodies? Yeah, you will hold no more power. Yeah, uh, because uh, Jesus, man, he rose from the grave. Yeah. As as our creeds tell us, as our gospels tell us. Yeah, as we celebrated this past Sunday. Yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, in the death in Christ's death, there is victory. Yeah. That gave us access to the yeah. Father, a taste of things to come, and a taste of what things can be. Yeah. So uh, so here's what we would invite people to do who are listening. Uh, take a deep breath, let it out, and get a good belly laugh in. <laughs> because, my friend, man, there's hope. There's hope. Yeah. The joy of the Lord, man. Dude, I've had fun, man. Thanks this for has been really good. Here. I love it. Yeah. Thanks for uh, inviting me to your special place where all the magic happens right in here. All the yeah. great stuff. We're not allowed to say magic, Luke. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're we're uh, we're Christians, bro. <laughs> My apologies to ever to uh, magic since yeah, we made it so there. far without you offending anyone, and here we are at the end. <sighs> I can edit this part out. Just edit it out. I would. I don't know. I might keep it in. Keep know. things spicy, it's on you, bro. All right. Good luck. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Mm. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope this conversation was as life-giving to you as it was to us. We have a saying at GenU that anyone at any stage in life will be loved, accepted, and forgiven within our community. And my prayer is that the love of God is more real to you than ever before. If you want to learn more about GenU or see what's coming up in the life of the church, then head on over to GenUChurch.com and follow us on all of our social media platforms. We love you. We're praying for you. Take care.